0: mm-hmm okay standby relax
1: there yeah, we're gone Brush is bringing us back to order. Oh, we are at. We are returning from a study session where we had a discussion of our. Um, what did we talk about for, for all that time? Safe um, routes to schools. <laughs> Safe routes to schools plan. We are now back at item number four: honors and proclamations. Um, Council member Black will be making this proclamation. City manager.
2: Okay, thank you, Madam Mayor. So we'll be celebrating Earth.
0: Yeah.
2: Excuse me, I had to go get my, proclaiming April 2020 is Earth Month in Kirkland. I think as many of you know, this is the 50th anniversary of Earth Day and Earth One. And I think one of the things we've learned from this global pandemic is that collective global action to protect uh, us is also something that has benefit to um, the environment. And so I think that's a lesson we hope we can carry forward um, after all this uh, COVID-19 things have settled down. Uh, But today, we're just proclaiming April 20th as Earth Month in Kirkland.
1: Elspine for Black.
3: Thank you, Madam Mayor. Uh, Thank you, City Manager. So I'm going to now read a proclamation of the City of Kirkland, proclaiming Earth Month April 2020 in Kirkland. Whereas the City of Kirkland has a long-standing dedication to protecting its natural environment, and whereas an adopted City of Kirkland City Council goal is to protect and enhance our natural environment for current residents and future generations. And whereas Earth Month is a reminder that communities and individuals can make a positive impact to mitigate climate change and reduce environmental impacts. And whereas Kirkland residents continually show commitment to the environment by reducing waste, recycling, composting, preventing water pollution, advocating for the environment, utilizing alternative transportation, and volunteering to restore natural areas. And whereas numerous city programs across departments work to protect the environment, ranging from the 2013 Urban Forest Strategic Management Plan, special recycling events and waste reduction efforts, protection of the city creeks, wetlands and lakes, the Green Kirkland Partnerships Natural Parkland Restoration events, and more, and whereas the city of Kirkland is active in regional environmental efforts like EnviroStar's Green Business yeah, Program, Lake Washington, Cedar, Sammamish, Watershed Salmon Recovery Council, and the King County Cities Climate Collaboration, K4C, to reduce environmental impacts and improve sustainable behavior. And whereas the city of Kirkland is, a de- is developing a sustainability master plan to help coordinate all efforts and establish new actions and goals that will protect, mitigate, and enhance the environment to ensure that current and future generations of the Kirkland community are able to meet their needs without compromise. And whereas the world's response to the coronavirus pandemic presents an amazing case study on the impacts of global collaboration. Faced with unprecedented challenges to global health and economic sustainability, countries around the world are proving that shared responsibility and collective action, combined with innovative technology, work. These are important lessons as we join together to reduce greenhouse gas emissions and foster resilient communities that can adapt to potential impacts of climate change. And whereas Kirkland will continue to work toward solutions to climate change and seek strategies to protect the environment and future generations. Now therefore, Penny Sweet, mayor of Kirkland does hereby proclaim April 2020 as Earth Month in Kirkland, Washington, and call upon residents and businesses to take action to reduce their impact on the environment. Signed this 21st day of April, 2020, Penny Sweet,
1: Mayor. Thank you very much, Council Member Black. <clears throat> this takes us to item five, communications, and we are at item B, items from the audience. This is the time in our meeting when we normally hear from the public on matters which are not quasi-judicial or scheduled for a public hearing, of which there are none tonight. Because of current social distancing requirements related to COVID-19, members of the public, unfortunately, may not participate in person at our meetings. However, the city has established opportunities for members of the public to still comment by voicemail or electronically. City Manager.
2: Okay, thank you, Madam Mayor. So just uh, briefly for those listening at home to remind us of our process. So the council uh, is attempting to have the... Um, virtual input that we receive follow the same rules, which is no more than three items um, for or against any one issue, and no testimony more than three minutes in length. So um, we actually have quite a bit of testimony tonight, especially on two topics, on uh, 5G wireless cells and also on the tree code enforcement ordinances before the council tonight. So in those cases, I'll just be reading the first three emails that came in for each of those topics. Uh, but council has received all of those emails, and I want to share members of the public, all council members have received all communications. Um, and any council, any member of the public who wishes to see those communications, uh, send us an email to the city clerk and we'll be happy to provide those. Um, with that, I want to go ahead and play. We received two voicemails related to items on the agenda. And I'm going to just start by playing those. The first is from Gene Large, and it's related to the Transportation Master Plan.
4: Ken Goodwin, I live at 11834
2: Homes Point Drive. I'll play the voicemail from Ken Goodwin, which is about the tree co ordinance. <laughs> I'm
4: a member of the Fen Hill Neighborhood Alliance and I'm submitting oral testimony regarding the tree enforcement agenda item on your April 21st, to 2020 council meeting. The down mayor and council. Thank you for discussing this important topic with staff. It's very important for you to know, this subject was never fully vetted between the neighbors and staff. The inadequate enforcement of tree codes, in my opinion, is the number one root cause of tree violations I have observed at nine Kirkland development sites over the last 46 months. I have found this illegal activity usually occurs during the LSM phase of the development. And please let me be crystal clear, these are contractor violations, not home order infractions. I request the council to, to do two things during this briefing. Number one, with the root cause of the problem identified, I suggest you guide staff to create a plan to prevent these violations from reoccurring. A plan that would create an LSM inspector appointment process. A procedure that would be modeled after Kirkland's online building inspector process. This new procedure would require a contractor to make an online appointment with an inspector to be on site the first day a activity begins at the site. This will allow the inspector to confirm all protective fencing is in the proper place and is immovable. Immovable is key. I have found protective fencing at most job sites gets moved or falls down. Leading to code infractions. Item number two, regarding paragraph four on page five. I'll give you a second to find that. Page five, paragraph four. My question is, how can staff ascertain appropriate fines or corrective action when the city does not have a matrix that measures how many landmark trees a homeowner has removed over the years? You all may recall, 95 draft does not require the tracking of this type of removal. Mm -hmm. Please ask staff how they plan to apply appropriate fines with no historic homeowner tree cutting data to use in their review. Thank you.
2: So that was the first uh, phone Message and just uh, we do track that those are three minutes or less. That was two minutes and 55 seconds. And here is the second waste that we received.
4: Hello, this is Jean Large. Um, just been re- reviewing the uh, master transportation master plan. Thank you very much for that. Um, that I would like to see added to that plan or somewhere is the issue of another issue of safety in transportation and that has to do with um, engines that are idling in Kirkland we need like many cities already do to have a non-idling rule or law that is to say when you stop your car you turn it off turn the engine off. This causes a lot of pollution, and it is a danger to people who are walking, biking, or getting out
2: of their cars. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Okay, Council, those are all of the voicemails that received on the Council comment section. Um, I'm now going to read the letters that the council received on the council comment email. So there's also a council email that you generally receive comments, and so any comments that came into that uh, email address we're not reading tonight. This is just ones directly related to the council comment email. Um, the first one is a quite lengthy one from Robin Vogel, and it's to encourage the council to vote no on Ordinance 4724, which is the uh, Misdemeanor Crime Violation of a Public Order Ordinance. and. Um, as the council knows, to the city manager, I'm recommending that we withdraw that ordinance and not act on it tonight for reasons that I'll be discussing under the uh, COVID-19 update. So I'll set this one aside because I think it's not going to be a- applicable as soon as um, we get to later in the agenda. Okay, the first comment is from Sharon Cox, and it says this. I would like to propose gas-powered leaf blowers be outlawed and replaced with electric leaf blowers. According to the CDC, gas-powered leaf blowers cause hearing loss and generate large amounts of pollution. Please advise how to proceed to make electric leaf blowers mandatory in the city of Kirkland, like many other states and municipalities have already done. Thank you. The next one is from uh, Junko Paulone. I hope I get the name correct. And it's regarding 312 Central Way Construction. It says, Council members, thank you for your leadership during the coronavirus crisis. 312 central way construction under city, vital construction as utility road maintenance are necessary for the community, question mark, concerned community citizens. Okay, this next one is from uh, Joel Cantor, and it's the first one related to uh, the 5G wireless. And we just did these in order that they came into the council um, email. So that's, that's how we decided to do it, similar so so to p- people signing up for public comment. So it says, hello, I am a Kirkland resident. It has been brought to my attention that 5G will be implemented in Kirkland in the near future. I have concerns about the effects of 5G on people. I am kindly requesting, requesting, reconsidering 5G in our beautiful city. Thank you, Joel Tantor. Uh, <clears throat> the next one is from Stephanie Lagoven. Dear Kirkland City Council members, my my friend Brigitte and I have met with some of you regarding our concerns about wireless radiation and the rollout of 5G in Kirkland. We've also been in discussions with City Manager Triplett, Senior Assistant City Attorney Kroll, and Deputy Director of Public Works John Starberg regarding this issue. I want to thank the City for listening to our concerns and working with us on this challenging issue at this most challenging time. We would like to see the City halt the rollout of 5G in Kirkland, given that there have been no independent, long-term safety studies for 5G, and many studies on 2G and 3G have concluded that these technologies can cause a variety of health issues. That said, we acknowledge that current FCC regulations make it very difficult for cities to restrict the location and rollout of permits related to the installation of small cell wireless antenna. After reading ordinance 0 Excuse me, 04714, and, and communicating with the city staff mentioned above, we want to make requests for additions and amendments to the ordinance. Changes we would like to see added to the permit or code. On line 6 of 04714, delete the line that reads, Whereas the city council finds it desirable for the welfare of the city and its residents that such non exclusive permits be granted to grantee, and consider replacing that with something that reads, Quote, whereas the City Council must comply with federal regulations around telecommunications permits. Next. Add a code requirement requiring telecom companies to notify residences living within 1,000 feet of a proposed wireless antenna that a permit has been submitted for that antenna at the time the permit is submitted. This would give residents an opportunity to comment before the antenna is approved. Next. Mandate third party independent testing of RF emissions, hired by the city and paid for by the telecom companies, including at the start of the permit process upon installation, with actual recertification of the permit in order to ensure the EMS safety limits in the FCC order are followed. And finally, include legible and appropriately placed signage on each poll outlining the name of the cell company, the name of the company that owns the poll, with a contact phone number, The frequency of RF emissions and the cell, the type of cell it is. We'd like to suggest the city also create a web page, excuse me, a page on its website, with resources regarding small cell wireless facilities in Kirkland, as well as a system for documenting concerns, complaints related to small cell wireless facilities in 5G. Thank you all so much for your hard work and your commitment to keeping us all safe. Warmest regards, Stephanie LeCoven, Highlands resident. And I am watching for time on the reading of the letters. Okay, this next one is from uh, Dr. Jeff Lakovin, and it's also related to the 5G issue, so it'd be the third. Dear Kirkland Council members, I am a physician and resident of Kirkland. I am writing to you in order to voice my concern regarding the rollout of 5G in our city. I understand the need to keep up with the technology. However, I'm concerned about the potential health and environmental consequences, both of which have been shown to adversely, be adversely affected by RF emissions. Thank you for our consideration, for your consideration, for the welfare of our community. Sincerely, Jeff LeCoven. So that is, um, as I said, we've received quite a few comments on 5G that are very similar, and so um, you have all those. I have been emailed directly to the council, but that's the third. Um, So the next letter is actually one that you all received from the Greenways Coalition about ensuring safe active transportation during the COVID crisis. And it takes about five and a half minutes to read. I was wondering if you want me to just summarize it or if I should just read the first three minutes of the, of the letter. We haven't actually encountered this before. So that's the council have a suggestion? Should I just oh. summarize it, Madam Mayor? I
1: think summarizing it makes <coughs> the most sense since, since we've all read it and it will be part of the public, oh, the public record.
2: Okay, great. Um, so, I'll write the beginning. Dear Mayor and City Council, Kirkland Greenways is writing to you to share two observations and a concern related to the City of Kirkland's responses to the current COVID-19 crisis. First of all, I want to thank you for your efforts to reduce the spread of COVID-19, as well as the support you've provided for the many people who are suffering, both economically and emotionally, as a result of the shutdown. Secondly, we also want to acknowledge how Kirkland's families and residents have responded to these challenges by filling the streets with people walking and bicycling. At the same time, we want to alert Kirkland's elected officials and city staff to the difficulties that many of us are having in maintaining safe, physical distancing on the sidewalk, along with the dangers posed by increased vehicular speed on the street. The letter then goes on to suggest several different actions, including to implement contact-free street crossings to help spread the co- the spread, stop the spread of COVID-19. So this would be to automate all pedestrian crosswalk buttons, and to provide visible signage to the public, and then also to take away the pedestrian flags so that people don't have to touch them. Um, second request is to temporarily expand space allocated for pedestrians and bicyclists to remedy the increasing crowding in our denser neighborhoods. And suggestions include um, for Lake Washington Boulevard, a Village, and downtown Kirkland, including Park Lane, and basically removing some or all cars so that there's more space for people to walk. And then finally, um, recognize the need to balance multiple perspectives before implementing these changes and addressing uh, potential concerns that might arise. They do feel that these could all be implemented in ways that can be um, not a stress on state city resources at this time. So, Any questions on that one? Yeah. Okay, um, the second email <clears throat> is also um, regarding Ordinance 04724, but it's in favor of passing the ordinance. But again, I would say, because we're going to withdraw this, I will not read this email as well, Um, but it was from Elizabeth Schrant and it uh, was asking the council to pass that ordinance. I have just uh, three more that I'll be reading tonight. Uh, So this next one is from Jane Ainbinder, And it says, dear city council members, I know that you're discussing safe routes to school at this meeting. I would like to urge the City Council that when it comes time to prioritize improvements to this program, that the Council should seriously consider making the installation of sidewalks on 19th Avenue east of Market Street to 4th Street a priority. I live on 19th Street, and although it is a direct route to Kirkland Middle School, for most of the street there is no sidewalk on either side, and no shoulder on the road, which makes it extremely dangerous for pedestrians. I often see near misses involving pedestrians and vehicles on the street and when I walk on it myself, I oftentimes have to hide in a driveway or bushes of a neighbor's yard to dodge being hit by a car. I urge you to please make the installation of sidewalks on 19th Avenue a priority when it's time to decide which projects to move forward with the Safe Routes to School program. Thank you so much for your service. Kind regards, Jane Einbinder. Um, We also received an email from a group called the Community Watch Group, which is fairly lengthy and I would say in this time is sent originally to Angela, Mary Angela Burney of Redmond, and it's only copied to the city council. So I would say it's related to Redmond issues. So I'll begin to say I think this is something if people are interested in, we could make available to anyone and council members have received a copy of it. But it's not directly to the council. All right. And then my final two, uh, this the next one is from Susan Sears. It says, hello council. I have a health safety suggestion from last week that I have health safety suggestions from last week that were not addressed. Number one, please make the north south direction on Lake, one, Lake Washington Boulevard one way. In other words, north side walk one way and south side walk the other way, east west two. I'm worried of having to walk in the bike lane to avoid passing the inconsiderate couples walking side by side or groups in order to maintain six feet distance. I've almost been hit two times by bicyclists. Also been beeped at by passing traffic. Two, I think joggers should be required to wear a face mask. Their panting spews much further than a walker breathes, breathing normally. I don't think six feet is far enough away and most, and mostly they don't observe that distance. I think that they are moving so quickly that it doesn't matter. I think they think that they are moving so quickly that it doesn't matter. I apologize. And three, pet waste stations. Along Lake Washington Boulevard and Lake Street, there are no unleashed dogs. Why is there poop on the sidewalk? Please see the attachment. There is a photo. Uh, we need pet, pet waste stations for all dog walking traffic. It's irresponsible to be out with a dog without a plastic bag to pick up. But when there is also a problem, what to do with it? I've seen people leave the plastic bag on top of the homeowner's stone fence. Please consider adding pet waste stations with a plastic bag supply. Regards, Susan Sears. All right, and the final one that we received. <coughs> this is from Jerry Albin. Stephen Jerry Albin, excuse me. Uh, we are just submitting our support and comments and proposals of the Fin Hill Neighborhood Alliance. We support this overall as a result of watching trees disappear on Fin Hill. We also have concerns for the development of budding our property. We thought all of the tree clearing had been done, but the development has changed ownership from Murray Franklin to Mainview LLC. Prior to the stoppage of work due to COVID-19, people were out looking at the trees on our easement flag with an eye to removal or drastic trimming. There was also a huge tree once marked for removal and that it was agreed upon did not need to be removed. Now it's being looked at again. It sits just barely inside the boundary established for the steep slope protection area. Steve and Jerry Albin. So, Madam Mayor, that concludes the items from um, the audience that were received for this council meeting.
1: Sorry, Chris, I didn't realize that you were muting and unmuting me. Um, okay, so thank you very much. Um, with all of the talking that you've been doing over the course of the last four weeks, it's amazing to me you still have a voice. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so that takes us to public hearings, of which there are none. Item seven, then, is special presentations. And back to you, City Manager, for the covid <laughs> okay.
2: Thank you, Madam Mayor. Um I apologize to you and I. everyone else who has to listen to me speak so long. But I um, will be providing an update on COVID-19, and then I'll uh, be passing it off to other members for f- further presentations. So again, just for members of the audience listening at home, we have uh, decided that we'll be including a regular update on COVID-19 um, at each council meeting. And I'm going to be focusing today on a couple issues. Uh, the two key focus areas are um, the budget and then what I'm calling the period of uncertainty. Um, before I get to that, I just want to say that the very good news is the emergency um, state in Kirkland has stabilized. Um, currently, we only have one firefighter that's in quarantine. And that's at a, as currently as a precaution, although that person is a family member who's been um, uh, shown to have COVID. So, but all of the emergency situations related to Life Care Center of Kirkland are finished and all of our other first responders have returned. And so our emergency status has definitely been downgraded. Um, as a result, our emergency operations center is now really on eight to five operations with a much smaller skeleton crew, and they're virtual on the weekends. So we're very pleased that that level of effort is being able to ramp down. Um, is prepared to be able to ramp up at a moment's notice if anything does change. Uh, the emergency operations center is focused on planning for recovery at this point, and it could even end up being deactivated in the next few weeks. Uh, so what, are the, what is the Emergency Operations Center and the Directors Group, the Policy Group, planning for? So those are the two key focus areas I want to speak to today and I'm happy to answer questions um, during any of this. So um, so the first issue is the budget. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because we will be further presentations on the budget all aiming at the Council's May retreat at the end of May on the budget. But um, COVID-19 is having a significant impact on the national economy and the state economy and also on the economy of Kirkland. Um, we're monitoring this very closely, but our finance department is currently projecting a loss of up to $6 million of general fund revenue, um, as well as potentially hundreds of thousands of dollars from our various utility rates. Um, and that's at this point based on what we know. Uh, so finding a way to cover the $6 million loss is in addition to the already known loss of $4 million to the general fund from the annexation the sales tax credit expiration. And so this has really changed the nature of our budget discussions as departments and really changed the strategies that we're gonna be bringing to the council at the May retreat. Um, I think we have some pretty creative solutions we hope will be helpful, um, but there's some difficult choices ahead and we'll be bringing all that to the council at the retreat. I will likely be also talking about this a little bit more in the May council meetings as well. So I just wanted to let you know we are, we are very focused on the budget and actions that might be necessary um, for the budget. Um, Just as an example, we're already also taking some administrative actions to save money, such as not filling some vacancies and not expending professional services, looking at travel and training and those kinds of things. But uh, we expect those actions to ramp up more significantly in the next few months. Um, Any questions on that before I go on to the next section? Okay. Oops. All right, so the um, Second discussion item is what I've sort of called the period of uncertainty. Uh, One of my sons calls it PU, (laughs) so the period of PU. Um, So after, this is gonna be the time after the governor lists the stay-at-home order, but before we'll have a vaccine or treatment. Um, Nobody really knows how long this is likely to be. It could be anywhere from May to the end of the year. It could be longer. We all hope it's obviously a very short, but the Emergency Operations Center and the Directors is really planning for this. Um, <clears throat> we know that the Governor has currently extended the State of through May 4th. He just had a press conference today where he was signaling that it's likely to be extended, although he's also trying to figure out ways to allow selective things to reopen. So we're expecting an announcement by May 1st, which is next Friday, of what is the status of the stay home order. So sometime between now and May 1st, we believe there will be a press conference where the next decision will be made. And we really need that piece of information before we can make our final plans. Um, one of the things we do know that based on the federal guidelines and the likely um, West Coast state guidelines is that one of the keys to that is gonna be Obviously, reduction in the number of cases of COVID, but also um, a significant increase in the um, ability to have testing as well as the ability to have pretty sophisticated what they call contact tracing. So if somebody does have COVID, we can contact everyone who has been uh, encountered that person to see if we can identify other people who also might have COVID. Um, those things are not in place at this time, and so we are expecting there's likely to be an extension, but but we don't know. So, this is going to lead to some fairly challenging decisions, uh, not just for us, but for basically all of the community, um, particularly around social and workplace decisions about what to do to prevent spreading. And I'll just give a couple examples of that. So, um, one example is what do we do with our own current workforce in City Hall? So, right now, during the stay home, stay healthy, Almost everybody is working from home Who can work from home and city hall is closed to the public. And so in this interim period, how much of that should continue is something that we're going to be looking at. Um, we know schools are not going to reopen, and so the issue of child care is really significant to our workforce as well as many other workforces um, and right. residents. Um, one of the most difficult things to figure out is going to be really all parks programs in the summertime and related issues like private events and athletic use. So. For example, should the pool be open this summer? It's hard to imagine it not being, but should it be open or open in a limited manner? Um, If you make a decision to close that, you then have to ask yourself, do you allow the beaches to be open this summer, and if so, do you lifeguard them, and if so, do you meter them as well? Um, Will we be able to have camps and programming this summer? We're not sure yet. We're we're planning for it, and we're also planning to not have it. Would we allow baseball and softball to be played? Would we allow soccer to be played? All of these things are decisions the city will have to make, but they'll also be guided by federal and state guidelines. So um, many, many difficult choices that are coming up, but we are planning for all of those. Um, As a starting point, we are extending our current practice through the end of May, just to give people certainty to plan around. So we're going to keep our current um, phasing of staffing and our current situations at City Hall and work from home through the end of May and we're gonna revisit that after the governor's announcement and then we'll be just sort of checking in constantly. So um, City Hall and Parks are probably the most visible impacted in this period of uncertainty, but there's many, many other parts of the government that will also be impacted. So um, we're working closely on all those things. We'll have a lot more to tell the council in May about that. So I will stop there for my final item and see if questions or comments on that element. (coughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh, my last topic then is just um, item 9B, which is the this um, on the, the Council agenda as General emergency management violation of a lawful order. And, and I just want to speak briefly to why the city attorney and the police chief and I ha- are recommending that we don't need action on this ordinance. So um, the beginning of this ordinance was actually in mid-March where we felt that this authority to uh, give the police department misdemeanor authority to enforce the governor's orders was something that we did need, because it wasn't clear that we had that authority. At that time in mid-March, the governor was stating very publicly that he had an expectation that local governments were likely to be enforcing his orders. Uh, he was also issuing pretty much an order a day, so things were changing constantly and we wanted to make sure that we had the tools we needed to keep the community safe. Um, now, um, really at the end of April, a lot has changed. The um, governor's directives have all settled down and we have looked carefully at whether we would actually use this. We currently have this authority through the end of April and we can't really imagine a scenario where the city would actually use it to issue a misdemeanor. Um, Several reasons for that. One, none of us want to put more people um, in a jail where COVID is a challenge both in jails and um, regional jails and local jails. Uh, We also, the courts are not processing misdemeanors for the same reasons. Um, Nor is it our way of doing things in Kirkland. We prefer education um, and problem solving. So as we talked through this, we just recognized we really weren't going to use this authority. and We don't foresee something that the governor might say that would require us to have this authority. And finally, in that unlikely scenario where it was necessary, we we have other tools, such as bringing the council together for an emergency session to give us that authority, or uh, for me to issue something and have the council ratify it at the next available meeting. So. Um, want to provide that context for the council and the public as to why we have concluded uh, that this is no longer necessary, and so we're withdrawing it for tonight. So Let's we'll see if anyone had any questions or comments on that. Okay. So thank you very much for your patience on the COVID update. I appreciate it, and I'll be bringing you more information at the next council meeting.
1: Super. Thank you, Kurt. Uh, Okay, that takes us to Item 7B, the Transportation Master Plan 2019 Progress Report. Uh, City Manager.
2: Okay, thank you, Madam Mayor. So, we're going to provide you um, the overview of the Transportation Master Plan 2019 Progress Report, and the person who helped put this together, our Transportation Planner Blair, Blair Daly, is going to make the presentation.
5: Thank you, City Manager. Thank you, Blair. Hello, Madam Mayor, members of the Council. Happy to be speaking with you tonight. The Transportation Master Plan calls for annual reporting on a handful of measures in a way that's simple to track over time. So before we get into the report, um, a review of the goals of the TMP. They include balance across the different modes, safety and accessibility for all users, a focus on maintenance first, improved connections for pedestrians, bike facilities for people of all ages and abilities, frequent and reliable transit service, and making smart improvements that reduce delay for drivers. Transportation master plan, though, is not an island unto itself. There are many city initiatives that have outcomes that directly contribute to completing the TMP goals. And these are some of the examples. Annual TMP progress reports are overseen by transportation manager, Joel Funt. And this 2019 one is the second annual report. Graphic design credit goes to senior graphic designer, Dimitri (laughs) Ansira, very talented designer. So we have stayed with the two page infographic format. And what's important to note is that each of the topics corresponds to what's called a level of completion area listed in chapter nine in the TMP. Chapter 9 is about measuring progress toward achieving goals and completing actions. So although there are a variety of things we could choose to track, um, what we're doing here is basically tracking what the TMP tells us to track. New this year is a page 3 in the report. It has tables for tracking goal completion rates year over year, and we'll look at that in a bit. So, uh, staying here on this slide, looking first on page one of the infographic, starting at the top with the safety unit. We see a small uptick in serious injuries and fatalities on our roads in the three most recent years compared with years prior, looking at the bar graphs there. Uh, This is despite our data showing, for example, that 2019 saw fewer collisions overall compared with 2018 and also fewer collisions involving people walking and people biking. If we are trending upwards in serious injuries and fatalities, that is, of course, the wrong direction. Staff is monitoring these numbers closely. Moving down to the walk unit, the levels of completion focus here on sidewalks along school walk routes and sidewalks along high-scoring 10-minute neighborhood street segments. So in 2015, we were probably over 90% with these goals already, and now we're near 100%. Uh, We also track crosswalks, specifically lighting at uncontrolled crosswalks, which are basically crosswalks where there's no stop sign or traffic signal. We are over one-third complete with the list of light-deficient crosswalks put together in 2015 for the TMP. And we work with PSE each year to take care of more of these. Moving down to biking, we are continuing to build out our network of bike lanes and neighborhood greenways. Kirkland's first two neighborhood greenways should be complete by the end of this year or early next year. Now we will move on to the second page. Under the Transit Unit here, we highlight that the Transit Implementation Plan has 11 projects for improving speed and reliability. In future year's reports, we'll be able to take credit for some of those projects being completed. An example would be the 108th Avenue Transit queue Jumps which is um, on the funded list in the CIP. Also, the city's been working closely with other agencies to plan the bus rapid transit and the rapid ride K-Line. Next, we want comfortable waiting environments at our highest ridership bus stops, and our metric for that is bus shelters. Um, Same as last year, same as the 2018 progress report, 27 of our 30 highest ridership stops have Um, shelters. Although, which stops are our top series three series stops? Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. A little, and, uh, little bit, as it will, each year.
3: And I, I got that
5: now, for, the, I uh, for two of the three unsheltered stops, I'm pleased to note that Metro That's has begun the cool. process Excellent. of adding shelters there. We expect those to be installed sometime next year. In the next unit, regarding pavement maintenance... We decided to use measurements already in existence for the annual streets levy report. Do you want
0: this ro- Is this rolling our all night? street
5: preservation program does overlay and slurry seal it's- and is making steady progress toward the 20-year goals okay. set for yeah. the streets levy, which passed in 2012. Next, more than three-quarters of the signalized intersections we operate are fully updated to the city standard. That means they are both connected to our traffic management center And they have updated cabinets and other equipment. And finally, looking at the bottom of the page, we call out a sample of the city's transportation-related capital projects underway. Those little icons there show which transportation modes will see direct improvements with the completion of each project. Now turning to page three, the last page of the report. When we took the infographic to the Transportation Commission in its draft form, they pointed out that because it's basically just a snapshot in time at the end of each calendar year, it's difficult to track progress year over year unless you laid out the multiple reports and and looked at them side by side. Um, So we developed this simple table, which we hope is straightforward, and it avoids cluttering the infographic by including prior year's numbers there. Um, next year, I'll note that we intend to make the table match the appearance of the first two pages, basically by beautifying it a bit, and our graphic designer will help with that. All right, and that completes the TMP 2019 progress report. But wait, there's more. Feedback about early drafts of uh, the TMP progress report also included interest in seeing more kinds of transportation-related data. Things like transit ridership, mode split, travel times, and traffic counts. So staff created a transportation by the numbers infographic with additional facts and figures that complement the TMP progress report. I don't plan to go over all of it, but here we can learn, for example, that on a typical weekday, there are an average of 8,233 transit boardings in Kirkland. Also. In 2019, our pavement striping program put down a little over 1 million lineal feet of pavement marking. And thirdly, has anyone put you on the spot recently to answer the question exactly how many marked crosswalks are in the city? Well, now you know it's 820. Okay.
2: Okay. And, but.
5: Yeah, yeah. All right, a couple concluding comments about the TMP progress report. Staff sees these annual reports as a useful tool for monitoring Kirkland's progress on completing 20-year goals laid out in 2015. We use the progress reports in coordination with other planning documents to guide recommendations for future investments through the Capital Improvement Program and through other funding sources. Coming up in January, we'll bring to the Transportation Commission a draft of the next report, the 2020 progress report. Thank you. Happy to answer any questions.
1: Thank you, Blair. That was one of the most colorful reports <laughs> we've ever received. It was beautiful. Um, Thank
6: you.
1: So, council, questions? Uh, council Member Gaskell. All right.
7: Thanks, Blair. Thanks for that. Um, the sec- I think this is the second annual uh, progress report that we've seen. In- you really took a lot of the comments that we provided last year to heart. And it's the transformation is really cool to see, um, you know, a couple things that, that I thought were really helpful. I really like that by the numbers uh, at the end, I thought that's those, those are kind of questions that we get quite a bit. Um, and or are you are good to use in conversations and like the travel time and how, a variable that might be driving from one end to the city or the other um, whether it's in the summer or school year or whether it's in the morning or in the afternoon I think is it's really helpful and I think that'll be be good to to track over time to see how that changes and and same thing with the mode split um, the question for a couple things uh, that were on my mind is one you know I hope that we 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 share this with the community at large and kind of push this out because I think this is kind of stuff that people are really going to be interested in, in, in learning more about and, and understanding. And then, um, and then, two, just how we plan to use this and how we make decisions. I know we we use it in how we prioritize our capital improvements. Um, we use it in how we we budget. Um, but also, I think I think it's there's a role that this can can play in how we um, you know look at other planning um, activities, um, other p- development of other plans that we're doing, whether it's land use or transportation plans or neighborhood plans and those things. I think this is really good information that can be used to help make informed decisions. So, great job! Thank you for for pulling this together. Yeah, you're welcome.
1: Thank you, John. Any other questions or comments? Seeing none, um, we will move on to the consent calendar. Before we have a motion, I'd like to ask Deputy Mayor Arnold to present an audit of the accounts, please.
3: Thank you, Madam Mayor. We had payroll of the amount of $3,245,920.16 and bills in the amount of $2,910,742.61. Super. Is there a motion to
1: approve the consent calendar? So moved. Second. Uh, moved by Council Member Pascal, seconded by Council Member <coughs> Curtis. Uh, any discussion? Seeing none, the question is on... The approval of the consent calendar clerk will you please call the roll council member nixon yes, yes. council member black yes council member curtis yes council member falcon yeah. yeah council member pascal yes Deputy mayor arnold yes mayor sweet yes The consent calendar passes unanimously. This takes us to item nine in our agenda, a business agenda. And that is item 9A, which is the Kirkland Team Union Building Contract Extension Update. City Manager.
2: Okay, thank you, Madam Mayor. So I think we're trying to find the site, but as we're looking for that, I will introduce it. So we're looking for council approval uh, tonight, primarily for the Budget Authority um through approval of fiscal note to execute a one-year extension with our contract with the YMCA, which otherwise expire in June of this uh, year, and to extend it through June of next year. And I'm gonna talk about the reason why we think that's a good idea um, in the presentation. And here to give that presentation is our human services supervisor, Leslie Miller. Leslie, welcome. Thank you. Good evening, Mayor, Deputy Mayor, and Council members. Um, Leslie <clears throat> Hello
8: Um, so we are asking for funding needed to extend our contract for one year. Um, the contract that is expiring has been a 10-year contract with, uh, the YMCA of Greater Seattle. They've been providing, uh, youth services, um, at K-Tub for, um, will be 10 years at, at the end of June. And they've had full authority over the building, and so, um and they provide all of the programming out of of that building. And in exchange for that uh, services, they have the use of the building and they're able to rent it out and have that revenue base. And then they also receive $160,000 annually um, to help pay for staffing and other expenses. So we're really interested um, right now to be able to really explore how best to offer youth services um, and what that should look like holistically. And so wanted to have this one year extension in order for us to have the time to have that exploration. And so the current ask is for an additional Uh, $125,000. 22,500 would provide some extra dollars um, the, the amount that the Y has received has been static over these 10 years, so they did ask for an increase in support. So we're asking for $22,500 uh, of extra dollars to get us through from July through December of 2020, and then an additional 102500 for January through June of 2020, in addition to what is already uh, planned for the base budget that has been in existence. Any questions?
1: Sorry, I do not see any. Oh,
2: Councilmember Curtis has raised her hand. Oh, there
1: you are, Kelly. <laughs> I was looking over the chat box. Mm. Okay,
8: mm. I heard you better signal system. Um, Leslie, the K tub is closed right now, and who you know, based on the city manager's comments about we don't know when things are going to be open. So are we thinking that we may see some of those dollars back at the end? What's happening financially with it? <clears throat> uh, good question. So the contract that we are, the current contract, we are paying out currently, and we'll be uh, just talking with the attorney before we uh, sign an addendum for moving forward from July on. But um, they are providing some services with for youth right now, and so we are paying out on a monthly basis. <clears throat> But before, like I said, before we sign that extension, we'll determine what language should be in there based upon what happens in the future, uh, if there are, in case there are uh, future closings. Okay, good. I'm glad to hear that they're able to provide some services during this time. That's good news. Yeah. Thank you.
2: Any other questions or comments?
1: Um, Councilmember Black, did you have a question or a comment? No, no. Okay, thank you. Sorry, I saw you were unmuted, so. Oh, okay. So, um, is that all you've got for us, Leslie? It was. Well, thank you very much.
2: Well, we're looking for a motion to okay.
7: uh, the the, the oh, fiscal in a, Yeah.
1: Okay, then, Council, can I get a motion? Council Member Pascal.
7: Madam Mayor, uh, make a motion to approve a one-time transfer of $125,000 from the general fund uh, to the Parks and Community Services operating budget.
1: Thank you. Can we get a second? Okay. It's been moved by Council Member Pascal, seconded by Deputy Mayor Arnold, to approve $125,000 transfer from the general fund uh, for this contract extension. Any further discussion? Uh, seeing none, uh, Clerk, will you call the roll? Councilmember Nixon? Yes. Councilmember Black? Yes. Councilmember Curtis? Yes. Councilmember Falcone? Yeah. Councilmember Pascoe? Yes. Deputy Mayor Arnold? Yes. Mayor Sweet? Yes. Passed this unanimously. Sorry, I'm having a little equipment problem here. Uh, come on thank you okay so that takes us to item actually item c right is now b which is the 2020 neighborhood safety program project recommendations city manager
2: okay thank you ma'am yes we're looking for a council approval of our 2020 neighborhood safety program Projects And once again, the return of our Senior Neighborhood Services Coordinator, Kari Page, to make the presentation. She's actually joined by Kathy Roberts, who's also going to talk about the streetlight portion of this program. So, uh, welcome Kari and Kathy. Thank you. Good evening again.
1: Ah, yeah, Okay. Where are you?
9: Okay. This looks a little familiar. Um, we'll do four things tonight. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about the background for the Neighborhood Safety Program. We'll look at the timeline, and then we'll zoom in on the projects that are being recommended for 2020 funding. And then we'll turn it over to Kathy Robinson, who will um, be talking to you about the street light program and the uh, status of that. Okay, so the neighborhood safety program was born out of the 2013-14 city council work program. The, The work program said to Energize neighborhood associations by empowering them to work collaboratively to identify, prioritize, and address pedestrian and bicycle safety issues in Kirkland neighborhoods. The funding sources are the uh, Street Levy from 2012, $150,000 a year. Walkable Kirkland, $200,000 a year, which was going from 2015 to 2020, ends this year. We also pull on private development fees and projects. We pull on other city programs and projects, and we have received state and federal grants. Um, all in all, we have invested over 2.7 million dollars on projects for that's 58 projects since 2014, and that's leveraging more than 800,000 dollars. The City Council will talk about the possibility of replacing the 200,000 from walkable Kirkland during the budget process this summer. Program goals are to provide incentives for neighborhood participation, to energize neighborhoods by working together to address safety needs, to foster neighborhood self-help and build a sense of community, to leverage funding to expand the program impact and to create an equitable distribution of improvements throughout the city. So if we go on to the timeline, you know that it all starts with the Suggest a Project interactive map. It continues to be the primary mechanism to track the uh, suggestions from the public. This year we had more because we did the um, additional outreach for safer routes to school. And um, those all got fed over to the neighborhood leaders in September, September and October. And then they, the neighborhood leaders and neighborhood associations went through their lists between September and the end of the month in November and turned in um, one or two project ideas the first week in December. And then between December and February, staff went out and toured the projects, looked at the proposed solution, um, and also did cost estimates, general cost estimates. We sit down with the, um, with the project coordinators or the neighborhood chairs um, in early February to go over what the staff found in their uh, review, and then turn it back over to the neighborhood associations to turn in their applications, the full applications, in mid-February. And that's when staff does their technical evaluation. They have from February to uh, the end of February, basically. And then we turn over those technical scores to our neighborhood safety panel, which is made up of representatives from all the neighborhoods. And they, um, they look at the technical scores and then they, um, they do their panel evaluation. Typically, we would take that recommendation to the Transportation Commission and the Kirkland Alliance of Neighborhoods, but of course, because of COVID-19, we're coming directly to the City Council, although they did get copies of the memo that went to the Council. So just moving quickly now, um, we'll just zoom in on the projects before, oops, preview. Before I talk about the project, so I just wanna highlight how amazing the neighborhood panel is. Um, I think that the success of the the neighborhood program, the neighborhood safety program is because of the dedicated and engaged panel. We have this year, um, an engineer, a a retired statistician. We have a retired high school principal who is in charge of uh, safety improvements around their school and a transportation commissioner and some members of the panel who have been on the panel since it started. So I really am fortunate to have this panel working with us. Uh, Amy Falcone was a member at one time and I think even John Paschal helped us uh, design this program. And so he was on the panel at the very beginning. What we do is we go around and look at all the projects, the entire panel. Now we did this uh, hours maybe before the uh, the um, you know the what do you call it distancing uh, happened because this was very early that first week in March. So we got in two different cars and we went around, and the neighborhood representative for each of the projects describes the project to the panel, and then the panel asks questions while we're out on the site. And it's a really great way for the panel to understand how their project relates to the others and it gives you a sense of priority just by standing and um, looking at the cars pass and, and the conditions on each site. Okay, so we had 11 recommendations or 11 applications. And um, as we have always done, we break those into three categories. We no longer give you our 10% design cost estimates because it is so early. Instead, we just tell you what projects are, the range of projects like over $50,000 or between 15 and 34 and under 15. Um, This year was unique because we had more suggestions that came through the um, safer Routes to School efforts. We also encourage the neighborhoods to identify projects that uh, were benefiting schools because of the council work program item. And so uh, 11 or eight of the 11 projects are directly related to schools. We do know enough to know that the high priority projects are gonna cost just over 350,000. The moderate ones add up to around 200,000 and the lower priorities are 350,000. I was hoping to come forward with some funding plan to try to fund the moderate priority with the school safety cameras and some other funding that we have uh, for school walk routes, but uh, we're gonna hold off on that for the budget cycle. Um, Just wanna emphasize that this middle tier and even the lower tier are just outstanding projects this year. So we hope that we will have an opportunity to come back with some other funding choices for you later on. So let's just step through these as quickly as we can. Um, The top priority project is downtown Kirkland. It's uh, where Market and Central Way come together and it's the access to Marina Park. Um, It would be narrowing this crosswalk distance um, and the purpose would be to slow the cars down and to increase the visibility of the pedestrians crossing. Um, It received uh, 143 points. Uh, There have been two crashes in the last five years. One is a fatality that happened uh, in 2019. There are high volumes, you know, we have high, moderate, and low volumes. You'll see the same with speeds. So this has high volumes and moderate speeds. Uh, It is in the downtown pedestrian uh, study, identified as a project. It was a high public benefit score from the panel and was the highest project from both the panel and, and the staff. The second project is in Evergreen Hill along 132nd Avenue Northeast at the south entrance to 132nd Street Park. It would be adding a crosswalk and ADA ramps with a pedestrian island across 132nd Avenue. This is just around the Northeast 129th Street. We would prefer to add a rapid flashing beacon here as well. Um, so, because it's because of the speeds and volumes and that, um, what we typically do with the neighborhood safety program is we start with islands and we can come back the next year with a rapid flashing beacon, because it, the cost would just be prohibitive. Um, So it's possible that this could come back next year. It's also possible that this could compete for funding from the school safety cameras, which are on the street, just right up. So this has high volumes and high speeds. It's on a school walk route. It's also on a bus route. It's close proximity to a park. Uh, It was the second highest project for both the panel and the staff.
1: Corey, can I ask a question with regard to that project? If you know you need rapid flashing beacons as well as the modifications to the sidewalk, do you
9: do the electrical work or the underground work to support most? That's a really good question. We can make a note to do that. That probably might not have been on our radar, but that's a a great comment. We'll make a note of that, to do that. Okay. Now we are on the third project, and this is in Finn Hill. Um, This is on 84th Avenue Northeast at Northeast 132nd. It's basically between Thoreau Elementary and Finn Hill Middle School. This would be putting a rapid flashing beacon that uh, crosses 84th. It's in a point of a straightaway, you know, 84th, it's a straightaway, but there's also hills on both sides. So they're speeding coming down um, both sides and and so it's a really good project we has 125 points it's moderate volumes and high speeds it's on a school walk route it's also on a bus route it directly leads to a park on the other side of the crosswalk is a walkway into the park and it received a high benefit score from the panel fourth and final one in the top tier is downtown again it is at central and main and this would be putting an overhead flasher crossing uh, main street and because of all the turning movements there we don't feel we can put in a traffic island and so we would match it with a cip project that's on the books right now it has a hundred and a hundred thousand dollars so the combination of the neighborhood safety program and the cip project would be able to afford an overhead flasher This received 125 points. It's moderate volumes, surprisingly, isn't it? And low speeds, that's not surprising. Um, It's on a bus route and it received a high public benefit score from the panel. Okay, so now we will notice that when we go into the second uh, or the moderate category, it's only one point different uh, for the next project on the list. One, 124. Uh, this is in Winita, and it's just south of Keller Elementary School, and it's adjacent to Edith Moulton Park. It's actually involving two crosswalks, one across 108th and one across 137th, but the focus would be on 108th. Again, it would be narrowing the crosswalk. This is it difficult because there's bike lanes on either side, so what we would be using is the tacti- tactical Urbanism, that is paintings and uh, delineators to narrow up that crosswalk. Um, And we would be putting ADA ramps on all the corners. This has moderate volumes and high speeds. It's on a school walk route. Again, it's close proximity to a park and received a high public benefit score from the panel. The sixth project is in North Rose Hill. This is one we mentioned earlier today. Um, also a safer routes to school project. Um, it is on 124th Avenue Northeast at Northeast 104th Street. And you know, this is actually not a marked crosswalk. So Penny, when you asked me the question if these were all existing crosswalks, <laughs> I went back to my desk and I saw, haha. ha. ha. Well, um, they're all existing crosswalks with the exception of the tool design recommendations, and they have a few brand new crosswalks. So this is one of them. And this would be putting in ADA ramps and a rapid flashing beacon that would connect to the new sidewalk that we have on the west side of 124. On this one, it has moderate volumes and high speeds. It's on a school walk route. It ends at 104th. It's also where we just invested in a sidewalk on 104th, just east of here, um, and it's also on a bus route. Great project. The next one is in the Highlands neighborhood. Um, it is behind Peterkirk Elementary School. Once again, this is also in the Safe Routes to School list. Um, it is where they do a lot of drop-off and pickups. Um, is everybody familiar with where this is? So it's along the cross corridor here. There just happens to be a pocket of public parking here. We have observed this and on a rainy day and it's crazy. It's all packed with cars parking in places where we have signs saying no parking. Uh, and parents and children are walking along the road where cars are backing out. They're behind the cars that are backing out on a curve that you can't really see traffic coming. So um, looked at this and it looks like the best solution would be to build a pathway in front of the cars that are parked there and get people across the ditch on the east side of the CKC and get them onto the CKC that takes them safely into the entrance to Peterkirk Elementary School on the east side. Um, We would also use barricades to block off the section that we have no parking signs on. This is a good project. Uh, I have to stop saying that. <laughs> yeah, I know, Kurt says. <laughs> uh. um, okay, so now we go to the final, lowest level, and again, we're one point different uh, going into this section. This is in Houghton. Um, the second time that this project has come to us it is slowing speeds on 70th as you come off of I-405 interchange. Cars are coming off the freeway and speeding down the hill to the Houghton Shopping Center and, and 108th there. Um, there are high volumes and high speeds. There's been a crash between 2014 and 18. And like I said, it's returned. Um, didn't make the funding the first time around. Oops. I didn't have the picture up, sorry, here it is. Next project is in South Rose Hill. um, And this is at 116th Avenue Northeast. This is along another one of the school walk route recommendations. Um, It's at Northeast 75th. It's also where the Greenways project comes in and then goes along 116th and across the 405 uh, bridge. And what the South Rose Hill Bridal Trails neighborhood wanted to do here is to contribute $25,000 toward the Greenway project because they already have this as a rapid flashing beacon on the Greenways project. And they were hoping that if they could fund this, that it would enable Greenways to do more different and, and more um, improvements on the Greenways. It is in a section that has moderate volumes and low speeds and uh, received 103 points. The second project, you know, that you can submit to if you're under $50,000 from South Rose Hill Bridal Trails is to do, it's it's actually um, just south of 85th Street on 122nd, it's south of Starbucks and north of Lake Washington High School. So there's a lot of students walking up to 85th here to get to Starbucks. Um, And we have a separated walkway all along 122nd, except for this one section that bumps out and drops the pedestrians out next to the road while it meanders around some uh, utilities that are in the way. So what we would have to do is find a way to either go over those utilities or move them, straighten it out, and then put some kind of uh, buffer between the walkway and the road there. And it's low volumes and moderate speeds. Um, And I've got that repeated, okay. And the last uh, of the projects on the list is in the Norkirk neighborhood. This is an interesting one. It is at Seventh Avenue and Fifth Street. And it is a they asked for a rapid flashing beacon crossing Seventh uh, Ave. And we uh, found out that the um, standards for this is the first time we've ever had a rapid flashing beacon request next to a traffic island. So we found out that standards are that you can't have one rapid flashing beacon when you have crosswalks so close together, it gets confusing for drivers. So it actually kicked this up quite a bit. It meant that we would have to do two rapid flashing beacons and because of the cost, I have a feeling that the panel didn't um, feel they wanted to fund that. Okay, and then finally, I just wanted to let you know that the Central Houghton project was an intersection study at Northeast 65th Street, 912th. This is just outside of ICS. And we just put that into the Safer Routes to School uh, drone study. So that will be done through that process. And we also have some students at ICS who are using this as their sustainability ambassadors project. and, And they're doing some really great stuff out there. They might want to do um, some painting of the intersection or something, too. And so that is all I have for the Neighborhood Safety Program. Questions?
1: Council, any questions? Uh, Councilmember Falcon.
10: Thank you, Madam Mayor. Um wow, car you are two for two tonight. This is awesome. <laughs> uh, <laughs> some more really awesome projects. I just want to say, for the record, they're all good projects. <laughs> um, I, I really appreciate your um, creativity and funding for these projects. I've seen over the years the work that you've done, not just working with the Neighborhood Safety Panel, but also updating us on the funding. And even like you presented tonight, the Central Holding Drone Study and working with the ICS students to do that. It's just really this, Program is just such a cool way to bring the community together in so many different ways, right, for neighborhoods and individuals and neighborhoods to really have their voice heard and have a say in projects that are directly impacting their community um, and in, you know, just the countless um, projects that have improved the safety for all types of folks in our community. I know we focus a lot on the school walk route safety, but for seniors in our community, for pedestrians in downtown, and so, um, this is really exciting to be on this side um, listening to your briefing on this after all those years of being one of those yeah. panel members that uh, that has worked with you. So amazing Great. job. This is really fun to see. Um, so I want to move to approve the 2020 Neighborhood Safety Program recommendation.
1: Thank you. Thank you. i by Council Member Falcone, seconded by Council Member Curtis to move the recommended Neighborhood Safety Plan Program Projects for 2020. Discussion, Council Member Paschal. Thank you, Madam Mayor. Um, yeah, so obviously this has been one of my favorite programs too, and this is always an
7: easy decision for me to approve this. Um, Kari, I did just have a quick question though, because I, I, I was, I, I, I'm not sure, I didn't read this in the packet completely, and then and, and you were talking about it, and I, I just want to make sure I understood but. You were going over Project Number Nine, which was um, a project on once I think it was One Sixteenth Avenue. Um, that was that, or at Seventy Fifth Street. Is that right? Uh,
9: Project Number Nine was at Seventy Fifth and One Hundred Sixteenth Avenue. Yeah, the Greenways Project.
7: Okay, but so you said that that crosswalk improvement is actually funded right now through the Greenways Project. Is mm-hmm. that right? So that project's going to get built. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, so that that going to get built too. Yeah, um, but it's funded through a different program. That's an interesting kind of um, application, right? Because I guess uh, trying to trying to trying to fund a project through the NSP in order to shift funds um, elsewhere, I guess, and I could. But that's something that would be worth discussing to see if that's, you know, whether we want to encourage that in the future or not, because I could see there being different situations like that, um, you know, um, yeah. and I want to make sure we're equitable in how we um, evaluate projects like that. But that was that was kind of interesting. Um, but I'm glad to see that it's funded and it's going to be built. So ultimately, that's that's uh, what's important. Thank you.
9: Right. I see where you're going with that. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Any further discussion? <clears throat> Question is on the motion to approve the recommended neighborhood safety plan program projects for 2020. It was moved by Councilmember Falcone, seconded by Councilmember Curtis. Clerk, will you call the roll? Councilmember Nixon? Yes. Councilmember Black? Yes. Councilmember Curtis? Yes. Council Member Falcone? Yes. Councilmember Pascal? Yes. Deputy Mayor Arnold? Yes. Very sweet. Yes, carries unanimously. But thank you very much, Kari. Thank you. Well deserved going home tonight. This thank
10: you. This is a beautiful presentation.
9: <laughs> My daughter said it's like finals week for you, Ma. <laughs>
10: <laughs> you did amazing. Thanks so much, Carrie. Thank
0: you.
2: So the second part of this is the straight light projects that we are also looking for action on from the council. So here's yeah. Kathy Robertson.
0: Yeah, so Kathy Robinson, I'm the neighborhood. Thank you, welcome, (laughs) thank you. I'm uh, the neighborhood traffic control coordinator. I've been working with Kari on the neighborhood safety program and also managing the the use of the uh, one-time leftover monies from a city light or a, I'm sorry, a street light conversion project. Anyways, for a quick background, we had $198,000 that were left was left over from the city conversion project. And 2018, can approved the recommendation, then City Council approved us moving forward using these funds to fund crosswalks that were considered light deficient. Um, we began with the top 48 uh, crosswalk projects that uh, Iris Cabrera, our traffic engineer, worked on and developed, and then we later added three special projects uh, to involve intersection improvements in conjunction with crosswalks. Uh, the prioritization was based on a number of risk factors. Uh, we had um, crash history, number of lanes, speeds, volume, was it school walk route, uh, was it intersection mid block along the, the, the road, or and what was the functional classification of the um, road? The arterials being ranked higher than, than say, a, a neighborhood access road. So anyway, so tonight it's it's a progress report. We completed, almost completed, all the original 48 and special projects. We're missing uh, two City of Kirkland streetlight upgrades. We've been waiting on City of Kirkland streetlight was particular because we have had some complaints about some of the streetlights and... Uh, are trying to find a better fixture that allows a little bit better focus so that there isn't as much light spillover across the street. Uh, there's one special project that's underway. It's very complicated because it is next to a power line and it's the Olympic Pipeline Corridor. So it's not a very straightforward process. And Frontier owned the poles are on the other side of the street, the east side of... Um, 136th Avenue Northeast, and we're not willing to allow us to add streetlights. So we had to go back to the west side of 136th Avenue Northeast. And this streetlight is going in with conjunction of um, some striping and rechannelization to allow better flow of traffic at the 136th Avenue Northeast and Northeast 132nd Street interchange. Um, we do expect that these projects that are outstanding from the original 48 list will be done in 2020. In the meantime, last year we uh, created the next list, which is 32 of the next, well, I guess you'd call it the next 32 priority lights at crosswalks and submitted um, the first eight to PSE for light evaluation. And again, we had one that's a city of Kirkland light, which is still on hold for now. Um, With the eight work orders that were signed we have approximately committed $128,000 out of the original $198,000 and we have a balance of about $70,000 left to continue working on this. So far the majority of street lights continue to be um, upgrading lights or maybe a longer arm with a LED. Very few poles have had to actually been installed. So, that has allowed us to move much farther forward than we ever thought we could. Um, so, Attachments E, or the Attachment E to the Kari's report, is the list of the original um, light-deficient crosswalks that we worked with. And Attachment F is the current one, and I wanted to go to that for a second, because I know there's a question about some of the coding on it. I updated this Attachment F today, uh, because um, I actually sent the next batch to PSE today of, of nine lights. So the top of the list... Oh, oh. Kathy, you oh sorry, have for... we do. Hold on. Thank you. Thank you, Corrie. Here we go. How's that? Can you read that? Oh, full screen. You yeah. might need to zoom in on it a little full screen first, and is there a, can you zoom? Can I go to full screen or just leave like this? Okay, that way I can, manage. okay, great. Sorry about, that. thank you, Mayor. Um, all right, so the, the top nine, one of them is a city of Kirkland light, and it doesn't have a March 4th date. The other eight with a March 4th date are the dates that I submitted the first batch to PSE. Um, with the COVID-19, a number of their staff have been sent home to work at home as well. And the result has actually been that the person I work with at PSE had cranked these out fairly quickly in the last couple weeks. So, we now have signed work orders, work orders for all of those that are dated March 4th for the request. Today, I sent this next list, which is dated April 21st, to them to sign. I'm not sure um, that we're going to be able to just have a change in LED, you know, from an HPS to an LED light or not. It uh, looks like a couple pulls might be needed, so we'll see how far we get with that. I'm hoping for a fairly quick turnaround. I have to say, though, that even though the work orders have been signed quickly, the field crews are doing essential work at PSE. The actual install dates for these are going to be delayed until they're able to f- go back to full operation, so we don't know when they'll actually be installed. But. That is the, that's where we are with the project and the remaining ones we'll submit if we get through these and have money left over. We'll just keep chipping away at it. Are there any questions? I'm I'm sorry, Mayor. What happened to the Market Street one? The Market Street one will be, we're evaluating the light fixture and as soon as we get that then I can add that into the mix. Then, PSC does not do the light evaluation for that because it's a Kirkland light. We actually have to submit that to a consultant. To, well, we hire a consultant to do it. Okay, thank you. Any other questions?
1: Councilmember Member Black. Uh,
3: thank you, Madam Mayor. I- I noticed that there is a, uh, one of the top nine is a um, light uh, along 108th Avenue. I think it's the fifth one down. Right. At, there's um, ma- So there's major uh, sewer line uh, project going on on 108th Avenue. Does that have any impact on that project? It should as not. Far as far timing? Uh,
0: I don't believe so because I, I think this is, this is just changing out a luminaire, so it won't be affected. Okay all right thank you any other other questions
1: okay Kathy thank you very much thank you okay so that takes us to community safety advisory group recommendation city manager
2: Uh, thank you so just before I introduce this this is nine o'clock as the council Wanted to continue? Do you want a oh. short break?
1: Since Council, would you like to take a ten minute break? Okay, ten minutes it is. Okay. Uh, let me check the time. Let's say we'll go till nine ten. Okay, thank you. Back here at nine ten. Thank you.
10: Nine ten. Okay.
1: What's that I system? Was Zoom so. was easier to kind smooth of smoother. move around? Yeah, it's just really
6: awkward. Cause it's not designed for that. So.
1: They have when the voice activated one. It's a little bit better, I think.
6: But voice activated.
1: Yeah, when the screen is voice activated. It's well, a little bit faster.
6: That is, but I. Whenever I, if I have someone, voice like if I use it that way, when i yeah. talking, is active. Sometimes it bounces out. Yeah, bounces yeah that's the only thing. The, yeah. um,
9: the empty,
8: the room, yeah. because their loud, their audio is louder. Yeah,
6: but yeah.
1: bringing us back to order. We are at session where we had a discussion where we had a discussion there we're live. Thank you. Okay, my brush is bringing us back to order. We are at, we are returning from a study session where we had a discussion of our, um, what did we talk about for, for all that time?
2: Say across um, so.
1: the school. Council, check the time. Let's say, check the time. Let's say, back here at 910. Thank you. Would I take a 10 minute break? Okay, 10 minutes it is. Uh, let me check the time. Let's say we'll go till 9 10. Back here at 9 10. Thank you.
6: On the final survey question. i'm here mm-hmm. regardless of if I'm sick, i know this place makes i think it's like dust
1: yeah it's very yeah it's very dusty in here
10: i think mike dust just before we come in too i think he cleans up everything so he might have some did something him. yeah
6: <sighs>
10: i know i try to suppress my cough i'm like <laughs> I don't you want know, any. I don't want to like people
6: look at you like, yeah. Yeah, no. scare anybody like, "Oh no, you got it." Huh? Maybe you'll have an opportunity to do Yeah. The group process. So, welcome, Andrea Thank you. to what you first saw on January 7th. Uh huh. <sighs> huh? Maybe you'll have an opportunity.
1: Oh, that's good Bad. He like bed. it. <laughs> Five, mayor. thank you okay we are back at item D on our business agenda the Comms community safety advisory group recommendation and hello Ann Brianna
2: so let me just uh, say a couple things on this I'm madam mayor so uh, at their last council meeting we gave you a briefing on the draft resolution accepting uh, in the ComSec report the council asked us to make some changes and do some outreach. So here to report on those changes and the results of that outreach is Andreana Campbell, our management analyst who supported the community safety advisory group process. So welcome, Andreana.
11: Thank you, city manager. Good evening, Madam Mayor, deputy mayor and council. My name is Andreana Campbell, management analyst in the city manager's office. Tonight I have 12 slides to present. Chris, oh, there it goes. But before I jump in, I, I really want to give a heartfelt thank you to the council for making those lovely signs and all the uh, birthday wishes. It really meant a lot to me. Thank you. So we're going to start off with a really brief look at what the recommendation <laughs> okay. review team has been up to since the last meeting. We were able to conduct a survey, um, so I'm excited to bring you the initial Comsag feedback. We'll look at some of the similarities and differences of the tax exemption versus the tax deferral. We'll go over updates on the final survey questions. We'll wrap up with potential adoption of Resolution R5413 and a look at what's to come. The team has now met three times and we're just continuing refining costs. you want to sit in for a second businesses. second take run to the bathroom? We have what we think will be what's our the, last meeting the, uh, scheduled for April 30th. And we'll return if, to if the Shift one, shift up. Yeah, shift right um, here and then one. And where does it go? Passes. It goes, it'll go on the preview screen and you can just click it. This is my exciting okay. slide. I'm really excited to present this part. These are the four questions we included okay. I'm just going to wrap the up. To the ComSag. Oh, we <laughs> built and ran it during the week between council meetings this month, and we sent it out to all 30 members. And with just a little bit of pestering from me, we were able to get 24 responses. So questions one and three are straightforward, yes, no questions. And questions two and four are open-ended. So what I wanna do is show you the results to question one, then show you the results to questions two and four, separated by who answered yes to question one, and who answered no to question one. So, oh, and we'll wrap up with question three. Um, looking at the first question we asked, given the COVID-19 pandemic, would you change the elements in the CommSag recommendation, the timing, and or the number of ballot measures? We had an overwhelming majority say they would not change the recommendation. So that's 20 that said no, and four that said yes. Now of the four that said yes, these are the responses they had to question two. And I'm just going to do my best to summarize. I think they're really important, but I, I don't want to read word for word. So remove the training building and perhaps the ladder truck. Include the additional funding for building inspectors, um, assuming there will be a bigger backlog of buildings to inspect. Given the situation in Kirkland with COVID-19, people might be more likely to support these measures. So include marginally supported elements in the recommendation as well. Job growth and economic opportunity will slow, defer all tax increases until recovery is well underway. If that's not possible, we should reduce the scope of this measure to include only new station 27 and fund the rest of the high priority items at a later time. Hold off until the next ballot measure. These are the responses from ComSag members who answered no to question one. Wait before asking for how people feel about spending more money right now. Move forward with it as recommended, even though it may be more difficult to pass. With the current heightened need for emergency response, this could be a benefit to the effort. Add the logistics center. We need somewhere to store PPE What's that? and other supplies What's that? and always equipment. Close? We, we had four yeah. none yeah, or NA answers it was closed and when i uh, skipped this when question. When I went out. Now we're going to look at the answers to question four, again, based on who answered yes to question one and who answered no to question I one. I think Mike closed it. So for question four, it was it. is there anything else you want to tell us? And I forgot to mention question two. I mean, it's, just, out it's out warmer. It went really smooth. Let me tell, tell you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so under, is there anything else you want to tell us for those who answered yes? I'm uh, impressed you're able to carry on with this normal business given the situation. We had one ComSag member give us feedback on a potential community engagement tool that they felt may have been more of a benefit to us than the anonymous polling that we use, so we'll look into that for the future. Be mindful of the current situation that uh, does not create an opportunity to ask our neighbors to make even more sacrifices and then ironically right below that The neighbors I've spoken to would support measures that directly relate to fighting the virus. Now looking at those who answered no to question one, the updates are needed to serve the community and keep our firefighters safe. The need still exists and COVID-19 has only illustrated the need more. Use current events to highlight the need for funding emergency services. It's too early to be asking people how they feel about spending more money be sensitive to the situation right now and plan accordingly. Reasoning and need are sound enough to move forward. Okay. Congratulations to the fire and emergency folks for the outstanding job so far in dealing with this pandemic. It's not a surprise from what we learned and who we met during the workshops. The process was very well thought out. The impact of the city's COVID response highlights the need for long-term planning and investments in our fire department. Keep our options open, but move toward a ballot vote in November.
6: Enjoyed the work, and would we'll be. As you heard earlier, uh, we are very limited by um, federal regulation at this point. Um, I it Would be with AT&T.
3: The comments that raised concerns about uh, the deployment of small cell technology in the city. It's to what you first saw on January seventh. One is that if there are amendments to the permit in the future, they will come to and uh, those reports would either be for a single site, multiple, or if they are using an identical deployment in the city in
6: forward to this proposed agreement
3: for action. Thank you.
6: Thank you, John. Um, Councilmember Curtis.
3: <laughs> Be deployed. I don't believe there is.
6: Okay. Thank you.
1: Sorry. Thank you. Any further discussion, Councilmember Black.
3: Uh, thank you, Madam Mayor. Um, as uh, Councilmember Curtis said, we've heard.
6: Or, um, and the respectfulness of their hands are largely tied, um, have much of a say. But as an attorney, I can appreciate. action plans update. We will expect to... At least 7.30. City Manager. Okay, thank you. Else that can maybe elevate a few of these, and maybe with um, has the sink
0: always been off with the we
3: with can the, the zoom? Some of the concerns that yeah,
7: the it, the
0: It's always and, been like that. It varies.
6: About, uh, what's